right. Well, here with us is Rachel. She's a ghost hunter and a UFO investigator. And she's here to tell us a little bit of her, about herself. And she's usually with a little teammate here, but she's not here today. And she's going to fill in a little bit about her backstory, too. So can you tell us where you grew up and how you got into the field of the paranormal? Sure. Um, I am from upstate New York. And we have a lot of unmarked graves and a lot of indigent cemeteries where I'm from. So lots of people settled here and passed away here. And if their family couldn't afford a stone for them, they bury them in their backyard. And so I had an imaginary friend when I was younger. Her name was Maybelle Deo. She was three years, five months and eight days old. And then I was about nine years old when there was a landline being dug near my home and they, they found her grave and <clears throat> her body. So she was really more than an imaginary friend. She was a ghost and I had seen her for a really long time. And when they flipped the grave over, they had to scrape the stone to see her name. And my dad was like, how did you know her name? <laughs> so <laughs> that's my ghost story. <laughs> so how old were you? I had seen her since I was about three. And then I was about nine years old when they were digging the line. That's cool. So after that, you kind of maybe steered yourself into the paranormal and got into like ghost stories. And yeah, I was the weird chick and I wore my own blood around my, <laughs> around my neck in, oh, shit. in sixth grade. Yeah. So I got in trouble for it a lot. And I, you know, I was shunned a lot, but, um, but yeah, no, I was the girl that saw ghosts. I was the one with the haunted house. And so it was more of like I was the enigma until it was around Halloween season and everybody wanted to come to my house or, um, you know, no more. Much like they do now, which you guys know, we have a season where everybody pays more attention to the paranormal than, you know, than not. In another interview, I heard your partner, Ava, I heard her say that she had some experiences uh, too when she was, I think she said when she was, when she was young. Do you, since she isn't here, do you know something about it? I know that Ava has been affected by the paranormal for a really long time and that she has grown her abilities through the course of time. I don't remember her origin story. We've been on hundreds of investigations over around 20 years together. So um, sometimes it gets like muddled, but um, but what I do know is she's grown spiritually and she's able to hear and see things on a psychic level, which is a higher level than, you know, just an, a regular paranormal investigator that wants to go out and, and learn and, and relies on equipment and things. So she uses her body as a piece of equipment. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So what is your part in, in the team? So I am... More of the technological expert, and um, Ava is a sensitive. So there's times where we'll be in a location, and she's like feeling everything, and I'm just like, okay, the reading here is, you know, <laughs> oh, and it's not that I don't feel anything or see anything, but I'm more technical, and I pay a lot of attention to the technology around me. So I'm able to relay back to the audience the evidence and go back on it myself. Well, you know, reviewing later on and making sure it's not, you know, a cat running beside us or something simple that, that can be debunked. 
Um, but Ava's very in the moment. And so she will become encased or enveloped in spiritual activity. So you're the tech nerd. I am kind of the tech nerd. <laughs> the, the <laughs> Over the, the course box. of time, I have been. <laughs> yeah. She's the spiritual one. So yeah. tell us about an adventure you had together. Tell us about an interesting investigation you had. Um, I'll go to the most recent one where we were doing Tom Reed's um, UFO uh, monument investigation. Mm. The area uh, that we were in is just been recognized by the government as a location that has been um, active with UFO activity. <laughs> so now it's in the books of history. And so we went there to basically reiterate what had happened and while we were there just showing people what was a possibility in the water in the air we started experiencing paranormal activity so we didn't mean to we were there filming kind of b-roll footage just to say you know this is where we were kind of give a replay while we were there it became a paranormal investigation and ava was in the bridge area where known activity is, I believe it's portal. And she was kind of overwhelmed and experienced a, a lot of things and it took her breath away. She had to leave the location for a little while. And again, I was kind of paying attention to what I was doing. I was like, take two, take, you know, like, but so we managed to get through it. But like I said, sometimes filming when we have it written out becomes reality in that moment we had a Rachel we had a we had a guest not too long ago in our last show we had a guest his name was Jack Jack Chavez and he talks about um, some kind of psi parasite or astral parasite he talked about this researcher I forgot his name who thinks that people who suffer from mental illness could be yeah like infested with this kind of parasite so these parasites, he claims, feed on negative energy. What do you think about that? I think that I'm, I, I study microbiology myself, and I do believe that a lot of spiritual things are happening, uh, happening on a micro level. We're looking for things that are doorway size. We're looking for things that are whale size, slapping us in the face, when in fact, what we should be doing is looking at structures of DNA, smaller term things that can be recognized, mitochondrial sized items, instead of it being on the larger scale, if we started looking at these manifestations on a smaller scale, we might be able to measure them. That's the missing component with a lot of the things in the paranormal is we don't have a base in mathematics to begin to measure these. So quantum physics, which is another field of my interest, is another debunked science because we don't have the availability to measure quanta. The whole idea is that we have a starting base. So we have to begin to imagine how to find things and what they look like based off of our feelings, based off the equipment that we have surrounding us. And so this person, whether or not it's a theory or whether or not it's a personal experience, I believe the manifestation can start small. It can start as kind of that ache in the back. Um, we call it um, 
hitchhikers, when you leave a location and you have something attached to you, a negative energy that's attached to you, mm -hmm. I think manifestations don't even have to have ever been dead or alive or human. They could have been a manifestation of anger and evil. If you walk into Eastern State Penitentiary or any of the asylums, there's almost like if you walk onto a beach and there's sand that you that you bring home, you walk onto these locations and there's spiritual debris that you're walking through and you're bringing it home with you. These people have lived there. They've died there. They've dropped DNA there. They dropped blood there. These little things can manifest into bigger things. And DNA, as we know, has a memory. And so some memories aren't as pleasant as others. And if we're walking through these locations, asking for spirits and different entities to touch us and, and involve themselves with us, they could be saturating our DNA. I could see that being a possibility. Wow. I should so, never thought about it that way. Yeah. Like, that's bringing that, like, that, stuff that's home with you from, like, at. yeah, like, going to, like, places right. that are high energy, even evil energy, and then bringing some of that yeah. shit home with you is not, yeah, oh, my God. Never, yeah, again, never thought about that. Yeah, but, it's um, crazy. Um, As Jack said, it doesn't have to be, necessarily have to be evil, even hmm. if they seem evil to us. So... It could right. be quite normal for them, um, he said, as it's, as it's normal for some insects to lay their eggs uh, in other insects, which then die as a result. And But the eggs hatch and uh, oh, the, I see. Yeah. the young insects feed on the dead insect. Um, this is, uh, they don't do it out of malicious intent. It's They do it because it's their nature. So there's no evil, evilness involved. So it could be the same here, but yeah, it could be survival. If that's the survival yeah. of the, ob of the, well, I wouldn't want to call it an object of the living matter. Yes. Yeah, correct. I think so too. So as a paranormal investigator, are you only interested in um, approaching the phenomena or do you, uh, are you, are you helping people actually to get rid of bad spirits, something like that? I don't think that people have the capability to disperse energy. I am a big Einstein believer in the spooky action at a distance and the beginning of the theory of relativity. And so I don't believe that matter can be neither created nor destroyed. And nor do I believe that a person that resides on this earth in a meat suit has the ability to create nor destroy a matter that was already relevant to this earth previous to, you know, it's cosmic, we're cosmic. I do believe that we are eternal. Um, we're a resource that continues to recycle itself. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. So what methods or tools do you typically use during paranormal investigations? My favorite, um, my favorite audio is the typical just EVP session, electronic voice phenomenon session, a burst session that we run for about five minutes at a time. And if you hear an intelligent response in a short period of time, you're actually having a conversation with an intelligent ghost and you can, you know, ask what's your name? They give a name. Where are you from? They, they say location. And so, and it's in a timely manner. And so that would lend to the credibility that you're having a conversation. These entities generally are at a higher frequency. And so with the availability of the audio equipment, bringing it home, slowing down the, the clips, you're able to actually hear 
um, the frequency that is available to different spiritual entities. I have talked to a lot of ghost hunters myself, and I came to the conclusion that all of these ghost hunters approach their cases in a similar way. They all do the same, so it seems to me as as so somebody who is not into all that. But um, have you developed any unique or specialized investigation skills or techniques for yourself? Um, I would say being a female in the field is a little bit different. I did start out 20 years ago when it was very silent in the in the arena. And so I'll go into places that are meant for men, like battleships, things like that. So even though I am an instrument of my own, I have a different response than men get when they go onto these investigations. And I, it's not like I'm opening some portal or doing something crazy, but really I'm in a space that I'm not welcome. You know, there's a respect uh -huh. issue and things like that. So I see that um, the response can vary uh, based off of the people that you bring and based off of the the attitude that you bring too. So I have seen people want to be the star of their own show and they focus a lot of the investigation on themselves. I'm guilty of that. I'm I like to be a superstar and do like all those things. But while doing that, you catch a lot of uh, interesting things. While being yourself and doing the things that you love to do and not listening to the living, you catch a lot of things that that are are not normal. And I've never been one to you know, dress myself up in a turtleneck or anything like that. So I've maintained my, you know, abilities and availabilities. And I think that that changes the atmosphere. And I've never wavered from that. So I think that that's what I bring to the table as far as being a female and predominant in the field. But um, technique wise, we're all just talking to dead people in the dark, trying to make it more interesting than the next person and sure. trying to get, you know, a response from these people. And um, some people are just more interesting to watch. I think that's the only difference between the shows because in night vision, it gets very like, you just sit there and watch somebody all day in night vision, unless the ghost is like <laughs> slapping someone in the face. And like, I don't care. You know what I mean? It's like listening yeah, right? to someone's gym routine. I don't like watching the ghost hunting shows unless somebody fell down the stairs or did something really like crazy, you know, because it does just become a game of did that person fake their evidence? What is this? Like, but I like to go talk to people in the cemeteries and turn everything off and go back to the old school way of things. Because after I got on the paranormal challenge and had a million followers overnight, I wanted to go backwards and go back and just be with the dead people again, because I, and I shut everything off. I shut Twitter off. It was too much spiritual living people talking to me. And instead it, it became more about like the popularity contest that's going on out there instead of okay. sitting down and getting back to the heart of things. Cause ghosts don't care about numbers. They don't care about what I'm wearing, you know? So that's for me, the unique aspect. I went backwards and stopped letting people film and just kind of went back to the old school ways, went back to Salem, went back to, you know, the, the places that are slower on the East coast. And I started really enjoying myself again. Yeah, Salem has some craziness. I can I can imagine what <laughs> Marie Have actually talked about there? some witch. 
I haven't. No, we actually talked about the witch huntings in one of our episodes back. I guess Germany definitely had some craziness with witches. <laughs> in, uh, yeah, that's Daniel's, where it began. <laughs> yeah, Daniel's pretty knowledgeable in that area. But uh, again, it's, yeah, I can only imagine what energy, especially with the slaying of people in one area, can, yeah, be crazy. Yeah, it or is. Disrupt- it really is. Or disrupting uh, Indian mounds, breaking some shit. Yeah, open. it's all cursed. <laughs> Now it's all cursed. I'm Native American. I was actually raised on a reservation. Oh, yeah. oh cool. Yeah. yeah so but, uh, the other half of me, I have blonde hair and blue eyes, but yeah, I'm half German, half Native. And um, my dad is on a reservation not too far from here. Yeah. What's the what tribe? I'm Lipin Apache, but we wound oh, cool. up coming towards the, the Canada area and wound up mm-hmm. settling up in upstate New York. Yeah. Yeah. We have tons of tribes here. Tons yeah. of reservations. Yeah. Here in Wisconsin. More up north, but yeah. Actually, we have see more um, to visit, more more yeah. reason to come by. <laughs> yes, well, that's so cool. Again, I feel like the Native Americans uh, again keep it within their culture with all the secrets, with extraterrestrials and ghosts and Bigfoot and uh, Dogman yeah. and other crazy <laughs> cryptics. But yeah, it's so cool. That's really yeah, cool. it is. It's a different. It's everybody's different. They got a different system of beliefs, but. I think now we have the availability to measure what we are seeing and that helps. We're like, oh, we feel something over there. There might be a little boy. And then we turn a thermal camera to the side and we're able to heat measure or cool measure, you know, an object and say, okay, we can validate your experience by saying that we have these measurements here that we can show, you know, and it's not for everybody else all the time, but if you ever do an EVP session by yourself and then play it back, you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you, you ever, want to share with somebody. I don't know if you ever heard of a guy named uh, Barnaby Jones from Wisconsin here where I'm at. He's a cryptic hunter and he does tons. He goes all around the U.S. and he does this for a living. Um, uh, he's got this. He's got, he's got a team of people he works with um, to go to these areas and they film. They have their YouTube channel. And they go to these conventions and have lectures and stuff like that. But he actually came and did a, uh, uh, I was part of his little doc, UFO documentary. He came here and saw the photographs that I had from uh, Colonel Wendell Stevens uh, photographic archive. Um, so yeah, it was awesome meeting him. But the fact that he, uh, he goes out in the field and is uh, doing it independently and kind of making a name for himself here in Wisconsin. Uh, it's pretty dope. Uh, yeah, that is that. awesome. Is it he's yeah. a team of one? No, he's got like a he's got like 10 people he works with, like to skeptics to like psychic mediums to investigators to other people who work with the technology. Yeah, again, I was I was so blown away when he came pulling up to my house in his uh ghostbuster van. <laughs> oh no, I can imagine the, all the people are looking at my looking at me a little crazy, like what the hell is happening over here? No, that's pretty cool. Um, that is cool. Oh yeah. my gosh! I just, I just, I respect to the other people who do it independently, like yourself, just doing it for yeah. the love of it. You know? Yeah. 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 Let me, cool. let me, let me stop that pothead right here. Um, <laughs> let's go back to the paranormal phenomena for a second. Um, I can imagine it's uh, pretty hard to dif- differentiate between potential paranormal evidence can call it that and uh, other rational explanations how do you approach that problem i always say do things in threes so take pictures in threes ask questions in threes 
make sure that you're able to validate as much as possible afterwards. Debunking is really important. Now I can tell you from experience that I've gone home at three o'clock in the morning and I'm like, I'm not tired enough that I can't review this evidence. And I, so I chug a five hour energy and my eyes are bugging out. I'm really shaking. I've already had eight hours out in the field and I'm watching and all of a sudden I hear something and I really freak myself out to the point where I'm like, oh my gosh, I hear a breath, but I'm too tired. I shouldn't have reviewed the evidence. And I do freak myself out when later on I call my friend and she's like, oh no, that was me, you know, but I spend three hours for the rest of the night till the sun goes up like, oh my God, it's demonic. What was that? So we have to sometimes review the evidence multiple number of times, make sure that when you're capturing the evidence, all your pictures are in numbers, one, two, three. When you're doing burst sessions, which is an EVP session, you're sitting down, saying where you are, making it a five to seven minute ordeal and then closing out so that there's no scratching, scraping, walking, and lots of ways to eliminate and try to have like three cameras running at once. You know, I generally have a thermal camera and two uh, visuals, which is a night vision camera and then a regular camera with a flashlight behind it. So you can see in the dark. Interesting. In your opinion, what is the most compelling evidence in your investigations? I would have to say it's the thermal camera because it doesn't rely on light. And so we're able to capture multiple pictures and now video with, with, with the availability on the um, newer models. And so with that, I have nine snapshots, for example, of a complete apparition dissipating out of form that's void of color. And in the paranormal field, as far as credibility, you cannot get more credible evidence than that. You can't You can't that that can't be fake. That can't be compromised. That's that's something that's void of color. And as you know, in the field, if you're taking a picture of anything that has temperature, it's yellow, red, you know, if it's living. Um, so I feel like the thermal camera would be the most credible visual piece of evidence in the paranormal field. Interesting. So you're in possession of um, video or audio material, which you can't cannot explain. Yes. Yeah. I actually presented it to the bio channel. I was on their channel when I presented all the evidence to them and I was on two different episodes so that they could kind of pack the evidence out there. And it was incredible the response that I got and people were actually offering me like the paranormal awards mm -hmm. for evidence. So, cool. I, you know, for me, that's big. I like my little dorky friends and our, our little contests and things we have. So I felt as though that was pretty big, um, both for myself personally and the field, you know, kind of responded, the community responded to me and they were like, that was pretty compelling. <laughs> have you ever been called to a paranormal investigation, paranormal site and you debunked? You debunked all 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 this all this stuff that happens there. I don't like to say that I debunk it too much, just because everybody's personal experience. I don't want to take away from them, but I did go to the Conjuring House, and yes, the Conjuring House in Rhode Island, and I was the first female paranormal investigator invited there after the sale. Um, went to uh, friends of mine in the paranormal. And I spent the night there and I never slept more peacefully in my life. I didn't sense anything 
in the basement. I went live. I did a paranormal investigation. I felt nothing. And but again, it doesn't mean that there's nothing. It just means that I didn't have an experience there. Sure. Sure. Yeah, of course. I I think the uh the movie Conjuring 2 is about the mm -hmm. Anfield poltergeist case in yeah, in in England. I had a podcast with a book author about this case. It was very interesting. There's so much evidence is a hard word, but there's so many uh witnesses that witnessed crazy stuff. Um, the couch lifted up from the floor and spinned or turned, I don't know, this girl, was it the name Joanne? I don't, I'm not sure. Um, she levitated and people claim to have seen her levitating. And she, and the most interesting thing is, and there's, uh, there's audio and video out there on YouTube. You can, you can watch it when she talked with this crazy voice and she was only 11 years old and she talked with this very, very deep voice like an older man damn that i'm i'm a skeptic i'm a skeptic when it comes to everything but <laughs> when i heard that yeah make the the hair uh, my hair stand up a little bit it's very it's, it's very crazy very crazy case kind of reminds me of uh emily rose too that yeah. like uh yeah, she died of that agree, exorcism yeah. yeah that's pretty yeah. gnarly <laughs> Yeah, that was like the um reincarnation. How do you how do you um you can speak for Ava if you want if you mm -hmm. know it. How do you ensure your investigations are unbiased and objective? I think that we do the best we can to broaden. So it is never just Ava and I, it is oftentimes multiple people with multiple pieces of equipment. Um, so that we don't just tend to say, okay, it's it's just we're 100% believers. That's it. There's no skeptics allowed. Um, we invite people in on the evidence. And sometimes we don't say, look at the bird in the sky. We say, did you see that? What did you see? And so it's open-ended. And I don't tell people to believe in ghosts. I would never do that. That's not for me. And I would never tell people that, they have to see a shadow figure in my video. So oftentimes we'll present that and we're not provokers. We're not like the type of people that are like, you have to come out, you know, and, and the ghosts or the people. Um, so we let that, you know, we let that be decided by the viewer because we don't, sometimes viewers will say, Hey guys, did you see that? Did you see that? You know? So we have people that will kind of end the story for us or help us out because they're also sensitive and watching things that are in a sensitive area. And so there are times I want to believe that we've caught the most monumental activity. And there are times where I'm very disappointed to find out we did not. So, and that's also part of the de de debunking process. And, you know, you have to go through it a few times. It can be disappointing to go 14 hours somewhere and not get anything, but that's reality. Yeah, you're in the, you told us you're in the field, you and Ava are in the field for, I think, more than 20 years now. Did your view on the paranormal change over the course of the years and with all these investigations you had? Um, I used to be a lot less afraid than I am now. I think that I um, 
I became more afraid after a few experiences and after, you know, coming home to a personal space and kind of not being able to shake some things that had happened. And sometimes it wasn't just spiritual or activity. Sometimes it was personal stories of, you know, things that had happened, women that had been buried in an indigent cemetery because they weren't allowed to own land and they were brought to an asylum by their husband who had found you know, a new woman and didn't want to bother with this woman anymore. And woman, women weren't allowed to own land. And so the squandering of people's lives when they were placed into these asylums by the government, the also Salem situation, finding out that these people that were, you know, Christian, they were believers, they, they didn't have any, any witchcraft, but they were accused of it so that land could be taken from them because uh, the heel was on their head. If your name was written in the devil's book, you were done. That was, people were living in that age for death, for the eternal life that they were living afterwards. They almost didn't even care about daily life as long as they were serving the Lord and serving, you know, and making sure they were staying out of the devil's way. So it became, you know, they were serving every day. I don't feel as though, we have to fight the battle of good and evil to that degree. But there's a lot of spiritual good and bad here on this earth. Mm -hmm. uh, I think yeah. I have to add something to my question. Did your perception or idea of the phenomena itself, the all-in-all -all picture of the paranormal change over the course of years? Because when you start as a youngster and yeah, you just start out, You might think that the paranormal are, is all about uh, people that have died and now they come back and haunt the living and shit like that. So, <laughs> and now I, that's what I thought many, many years back, you know, when I didn't yeah. deal with all that stuff. But now I'm pretty sure that UFOs, Bigfoot, ghost apparitions, alien abduction cases does not mean that I do believe in all that stuff ultimately, but. Um, I think that it's all connected. Everything is connected to each other. And the craziest Bigfoot uh, sighting could have something to do with uh, a ghost apparition like a thousand miles away. You know what I mean? Does it, I mean, I do. has your picture changed of the paranormal that you had 20 years back? It, it has. Yes. And I do believe that I, the same thing, I thought it was just simple activity. I thought it could potentially just be, um, you know, ghosts or somebody that died, but uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Lyle Watson or the hundredth monkey theory, but um, he, I'll give you a quick on it. Um, there's uh, the Galapagos Island where he was studying a hundred monkeys are washing potatoes. Well, when it gets to the hundredth monkey on an Island, far, far away where the monkeys could not possibly have seen this activity, they start washing their potatoes because the phenomenon of the hundredth spiritual being participating in this activity is enough for the encompassing area to feel a psychic vibe. So they start washing their potatoes without ever seeing this activity. So that's quantum entanglement in that can be like the spider web that goes through we see bigfoot over here we see a ufo over here are those two things possibly in an arena or portal that is one in the same interdimensional activity 
could be just that. If we were turning a channel that said, we're going to go to interdimensional, we're going to go to the quantum realm, that would be a possibility to change that into almost like a highway to ghosts, Bigfoot, and all of the phenomenon that we see. There's a place here in Wisconsin called Burlington, Wisconsin, and they have a forest where if you go to the certain area and start taking pictures with your camera, the pictures all turn out swirly and like orbs are, you know, going in and out. And it's, uh, again, they think they might be like an interdimensional, they call it the vortex there, the Burlington Mm -hmm. vortex. But yeah, again, these interdimensional holes or places where these things kind of pop in and out with even Bigfoot. I heard there's like a story where a guy saw Bigfoot and he had his gun, he shot at it and it like just turned into dust. You know, he's just like, what the fuck? (laughs) And there's been sightings of like lights in the sky and with uh, Bigfoot sightings and yeah, it's again, very mysterious. Yeah, I was out at the Bridgewater Triangle in Massachusetts, which is supposed to be like the like the Bermuda Triangle because it's 200 square foot of the most haunted area and it's got northern lights, Bigfoot sightings, mm-hmm. um a lot of a lot of uh paranormal activity, not all one and the same. Again, they yeah. there's possibilities of portals, there's possibilities of channels. Is it quarantined to one area or another? I don't know if we could ever possibly know that, you know? I don't know if we could know, but once I dive in, I dive into it all. Mermaids, everything. Like, what are the possibilities of all these things? Like, you know? And and they're all spiritual to me and magical and, you know? Right. Would you ever want to go down to Skid Skid Walker Ranch and do an investigation there? Yeah. Yeah. I was invited there before COVID, and I was supposed to... Yeah, I was doing a lot of studying and stuff on it. I I would go. I'm not afraid of things like that. I think I would be um open to the experience, really. Yeah. I don't I I I would be more fascinated, really. I'd be honored, really. <laughs> yeah, there's a place we there's like a little mini Skidwalker ranch here in Wisconsin where this it's called Poland, Wisconsin, where this guy uh claimed that UFOs hover and land on his property constantly enough where this dude like built a gigantic uh, spaceport or landing port <laughs> for them to just to attract them even more so and then he has people that come to him and he goes gives them tours and talks about his stories but again very interesting um that this guy like built this gigantic spaceport for these aliens that he claims that keep landing and hovering over his property and uh, yeah, i don't like if you know horn. Yeah, right. They like the corn <laughs> but, over there. <laughs> they do. No, again, uh, I don't know if you know this that Wisconsin has three towns that are that claim to be the UFO capital of the world. Dundee, Belleville, and Elmwood. And all three towns have yearly parades and dressing up their cars like UFOs and uh dress up like aliens reminiscing UFO stories. But again, like this there's these these hot spots. Again, I don't know if it's Native Americans with the because we have tons of um, uh, burial grounds here, and uh, and there's another hot spot called um, Dundee Mountain where there's most activity in Wisconsin. Like I guess Native Americans were calling it Spirit Hill because there was so much paranormal activity even on the base of the mountain too. So with lights and and orbs. if you look at the hieroglyphs, that would make sense. You know, look at the hieroglyphs. Mm-hmm. I was looking at some of them more Egyptian than than native, but um, I was looking at some of them with the, you know, concept of the ancient alien theory. And Mm -hmm. it is very interesting. 
that the choice of art was this big, huge, almost like the size head didn't fit the body. You know what I mean? Like there was yes. just something that was seen that we don't technically see every day, <laughs> but they yeah, like, drew it and you know, right. it's pretty accurate. Right. Like, like I go back to the Kachina dolls and the Hopi Indians that, you know, depict all these, uh, creatures that they interacted with that gave them mathematics and agriculture and astronomy and how to stay alive. <laughs> and then again, yeah. they, they went to the, back to the stars, but then they promised to return in the future. And that's why they continue making these dolls. So they pass it on to their children. So they won't be afraid once they do come, you know? So again, I love that story of, uh, I like that too. Hopi and Nikola Indians. Tesla, they say has some, you know, was woken up in the middle, like woke up in the middle yes. of the night with this idea about, you know, but like he, he went to the next level also uh, elevated whatnot. Mm -hmm. And he was one of the ones that I felt like maybe could have been part of the phenomenon. Yeah. yeah. He did the, like the mm -hmm. rule of three too. There's something about when he goes into his dreams, hey, he goes that higher realm. And then like mm -hmm. the rule of three came to mathematics and yeah, again, that was, man, can you imagine? No, like I, it, make, it all makes sense to him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to me, I don't know. I'm bad at math. <laughs> or the fact that he was going to make that gigantic tower for free energy for like cars and planes and for homes and stuff like that. And that's that was like, inconceivable monumental. back then. Yeah, mm -hmm. like, that one little yeah. dude was doing that. Amazing. Yeah, monumental. Yeah. A few minutes ago, you mentioned mermaids. And I mm -hmm. had to think about this story. I did a podcast about it not too long ago. It's about the Chinoy caves in Zimbabwe. Mm. And within this cave system, there is a big lake, pretty deep lake. And it's said that legend has it that no one can manage to throw a stone across the Great Lake. The reason for this is that uh, the lake is inhabited by spirits who catch the stone midair and bring it uh, and bring um, they bring bad luck upon the person who threw it <laughs> and for many locals the bottom of the lake is also the reason for the disappearance of a lot of people many have gone into these caves but never came back out and perhaps it has something to do with the mermaids <laughs> people say there are mermaids uh, that live uh, on the bottom of the lake and uh, the people are very afraid of these mermaids, actually. So they're not not uh, good mermaids. <laughs> if an unfortunate visitor misbehaves or gets too close to the water at the wrong time or even falls into the water, the mermaids grab him. They grab his ass, pull him down and rip him apart and eat him. Yeah. Oh, my God. So these are very pretty bad mermaids, and people really do believe in these mermaids. They, they, there are a lot of stories about these mermaids, and um, but sometimes people come back. Sometimes these mermaids, they set their prisoners free. They don't eat them. People uh, who come back come back as um, healers or shamans, something like that. So this is what the legend. Well, the legend tells us about these uh, crazy Shinoi caves. In these Shinoi caves, uh, it's um, said to be a portal place too. And 
there's anomalies and strange things happen there. There are rules. If you want to uh, visit these Jinhoi caves, there are rules you have to follow. So if something very strange happens, let's say you see a, a rabbit doing a handstand, you're not allowed to laugh or, or wonder. You just have to walk on and don't look at it. Could be uh, a spirit who tries to lure you in to kill you. Yeah, the Chinhoi Caves. It's interesting to take a look at it. And um, I'm gonna look at that up. Have you? And not too far away from the Chinhoi Caves, there is the Mount Nyangami. Have you heard about Mount Nyangami? It's also said to be a portal place, and paranormal things happen there. It's a yeah, it's a mountain. You can go there. People disappear there. And you're not allowed to pee on Mount Nyangami. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to pee. You have to pee your pants. You're not allowed to pee. You're not allowed to uh, get rid of trash. You're not allowed to to litter Mount Nyangami. And people that disappear there, people uh, locals think that when people disappear there, they they uh, did something wrong. They didn't follow the rules. And um, yeah, a big the big snake from the legends. There's a big snake who created. Who helped to create all that? Um, yeah, it eats these people. People think that. My gosh. Uh, yeah, it's also like I said. It's also known to be a portal place. Time anomalies, uh, strange things happen there. Very interesting to read about the Mount Nyangami. Very interesting stuff happens there. And yeah, the rules are pretty stupid. Uh, um, women are not allowed to be on Mount Nyangami if they have their special days. Mm -hmm. And like I said, you're not allowed to pee. People, uh, people go behind a bush to pee, and they never come back out again. That's what locals see. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah. Oh boy! Strange uh, place not, on earth. I'm not going there to pee. No. <laughs> I'll neither. pee over here. <laughs> Me neither. That's, that's um, funny. As paranormal investigators, um, do you collaborate with other paranormal investigators or research groups? Yeah, um, I I do a lot of solo stuff with my partner Josh. We do Operation Geist, but we um, we branch out also and do like the UFO stuff was not something that was originated from me, um, because uh, Av and I have been out on networks and circuits. Um, people know to reach out to us if they're doing something where they need an extra hand or certain equipment or uh, backup you know, individual. So we inadvertently wind up going on a lot of projects that are together further away from here. Um, we've done um, say a lot of uh, Salem. The witch trials was uh, a place where we would go on a yearly basis and we would go um, to the Hawthorne Hotel every year in April and meet up for a week and spend that time doing investigations, educating the public on what had happened there and kind of just getting together and doing the, you know, typical investigation. And a lot of, a lot of stuff over there is history instead mm -hmm. of it being more of the paranormal side. A lot of the paranormal was brought to Salem, which is feel comfortable there now. So we can go and celebrate and, you know, so we wind up getting invited though, um, you know, a lot of male-driven groups, the the black t-shirt group and the paranormal. So we go to a lot of charity events also. 
Um, the paranormal on the East Coast over here, we do a lot of paranormal for paws um, for the puppies and kitties and stuff like that because we're big saps. And um, we do we do a lot of charity events, including um, making sure that we contact the historical societies on the East Coast and do fully funded um, investigations where we give all the proceeds to the um, historical society to fix roofs and different locations that need the extra love to keep them open. So that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Thanks. To, to to finish up this episode, one last question. What advice would you give to someone interested in becoming a paranormal investigator? I would say stay original. Everybody wants to be the star of their own show in the paranormal. It's not a competition. Um, the ghosts, the aliens, they don't care about numbers. They could care less. Do what you love to do. And when you're going out in the field for the first time, you don't have to be rich and you don't have to secure a wonderful location. Go to a local cemetery before dusk. And the most powerful piece of paranormal equipment we all currently have is our phones. Take tons of pictures, start your own page and be the star of your own show. But don't worry about what the living think. Sure. It's a good advice. Yeah, it is. Perfect. Okay. That was very, very interesting. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. And a uh, big shout out to Ava, who couldn't be part of the show today, but I think we will uh, have her on the next time. Yeah, with definitely. Us. Future episode in, in motion. Yes. Cool. Thank That's you guys exciting. for having me. I had such a great time. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Please stay with us for two more minutes, okay? <laughs>